You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, awesome. I'm so excited uh, to have Missionary Sunday here on the 31st. You know, I, my my heart goes out to our missionaries in the Muslim world because we can't use their name and face together. It's so like this whole sermon, I can't say her name. So that's unique when you try to raise funds. Like, don't tell anybody my name or you could tell them my name, but don't show anybody my face. And then I'm going to go, you know, forever away. And like, I might be able to call you, might not. It really is something, but uh, we love her. And I, I just, I can I tell you, we, we've done some incredible things. I, I believe last year, or last time she was here, she did this tea, and she taught our, our teams and our people and some of the young women in our church. How, how do you uh, begin to have that conversation uh, with Muslim people about Christ? And how can you very graciously, through hospitality, have that conversation? It was so, so amazing. Like, set up this whole um, dining room thing. It was super cool. But uh, we're very excited to have her share. I know it's going to encourage you and strengthen you. And um, man, it's really cool to hear what God's doing around the world. I love global missions because I know the news has been right right here in, in us. And we got a lot to deal with here. I, I get that. But man, when you zoom back, what God is doing around the world is so encouraging, right? What God is doing, I mean, if you look closer, you zoom back, it doesn't matter. What God is doing in his church is really amazing. And it's so cool that countries that have been closed off, that the, the gospel, man, it finds a way. Christ finds a way. I mean, people are having visions of Jesus, and they're coming into an encounter, and they're just searching and hungering for something. And it's like, how cool is it that around the world, all of us are being joined in, in, in uh, buildings and warehouses and homes and in, uh, you know, uh, classic church structures being joined by millions of other people who are rejoicing at the goodness of God and praying that that same goodness and love will be revealed to others. Isn't that amazing? Like, you're a part of something that is so amazing and huge and is such a blessing. I love that about the church. So that's going to be an awesome day. Next week, we're going to have baptisms. Uh, we have some people getting baptized. If you would like to get baptized, you're like, what's baptism? We've talked a little bit about baptism, but baptism is an outward reflection of an inward transformation. So when you have given your life to Christ and chose to follow him, baptism is this public display where you're saying, listen, literally, we get this, like, trough, this horse trough that I got from the farm store, and uh, we lower you down in water, and it's symbolic of I was lowered in death, and I was raised back up to new life in the resurrection of Jesus. And I talked last week, it's not that Jesus is a part of our life that we like add on. He is the reason we have life. And so this is a symbolic thing. So if you're like, man, that sounds good. I want to make that symbolic statement. Then I want to encourage you. Uh, come talk to me after service. I'll be here. I'll be here for Discover. Come talk to me. Discover. Whatever you want to do, I'd love for you to make that step. Especially if, if God has moved in this time of fasting. You know, like, you know what? Like, I need to make this declaration that I am made new. Man, let, let's do it. I think it'd be great. And so it's not just a private thing for you. It's a public thing, and it's a mutual commitment where your body of Christ is recognizing your proclamation and agreeing to support you in that. Uh, the thing we have on the 31st is we also have child dedications. We don't uh, do any baby baptisms. We believe that's a decision for when you're an adult, but we do child dedications, and that's where as a parent, you uh, bring your child. We're going to bring our son, Henry, and uh, I know some of you guys are going to bring your kids, and we pray over them, and as a parent, we make a commitment to raise them in the love of Christ, believing and hoping and praying that they too will make a choice for themselves to follow Christ. So we say, we dedicate you as unto the Lord, just like Samuel, right? We, we give you to the Lord, and we pray 
would he lead you and guide you? And as a church, you come along people who dedicate their kids and say, we will help because raising kids is a lot. So we will be the kids workers who help your kids. We will be the people who love on them and encourage them. We will be the prayer team that prays over you as you're like, I don't know what to do with these kids. Like, we will be there for you. Um, so it's a really great time. If you have questions of that or want to sign up, there's a sign up online. You can talk to me or my wife. We'd love to do that. But we're going to jump into week two of our series on the way, which is the whole theme for the year is the way. Now, we're not every week. The message is not called the way, but we do have a poster back there. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see it around all year. But our theme is the way. And really, the question that we've been looking at is, how do I walk the way of Jesus Christ in 2021? And we talked last week on how do I discern God's will for my life in 2021? Big question. And so I talked a little bit last week on how we do that. Um, the, the, how we discern God's will for our life is by literally living the way of Christ as the Holy Spirit abides in us. That everything we do starts with our being rooted in Christ. And that's an important order. Everything that we talk today about doing, everything God has commissioned us to do, has to first come from being rooted in Christ. Our calling is to be children of God, that we're rooted there. If you start over here, then it becomes this works-based thing where you, like, feel holier now because you went to eight small groups and someone only went to none small groups, right? It's like the wrong order, right? It starts here. It starts here with being. And so last week, we talked about being. I won't go all over it. But this week, I want to talk about the important second question. If the first question was, how do I discern the will of God? The answer was, by living the way of Christ as his spirit abides in me. Then the second question today is, how do I participate in God's will this year? So not only do, how do I discern his will for my life overall, but how do I participate in God's will for my life? Yeah, God has called us our children. That is the primary. But out of that calling, there is a response to participate in some kind of action. Like, I, I feel called to, to respond to this great love that I've received. I feel called to respond to this salvation I've received, but like, how, right? I work a job. I got a life. I do my things. How do I respond to this love that I've received? Do I just, I just, I go, you know, to the mission field? Like, how, how do I respond? And I think the question that when we really boil it down, the question that we're asking is, how do I have purpose in 2021? Some of you coming out of 2020, this is a big question in your life. How, what, what is my purpose in this new year? What is my purpose in 2021. But it's important. Every believer has been called, but every believer has been commissioned to great purpose as well. That word commissioned is important. You have all, I'll explain in a second, but you have all received a commission. You have all been, every believer has been commissioned. In fact, do this. If you're online, you can do it in the chat. Uh, if you're here, turn to your neighbor and just say, I've been commissioned. Okay, now turn to the neighbor you apparently like more than the one you just turned to and say, I've been commissioned. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I turned to the wrong neighbor. That's my bad. Double it up. There we go. You turned. She was, she was just so beautiful. You're like, oh, my gosh. And you lost your train of thought. That happens to me and my wife. Married men, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so how do I? I've been commissioned. How, how do I walk in this? How do I have purpose in 2021? 
Let's pray together, and I want to jump into Scripture today. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that your word says that as it goes out, that every word completes its work. It does not return void. So I pray this morning that your word would complete its work as it sets out. God, I thank you that this morning you have gathered your people here and then online. I thank you that you have brought every person here and that you have loved every person, that you have saved every person, and that you're calling everyone into a deeper relationship with you. And I pray this morning that we wouldn't let the weight or even the biases of our heart keep us from your word being revealed. I pray we would just be open to you and our hearts would be open and our attitudes would be open and our minds would be open today. So we give it to you in your name. Amen. So I've, uh, I've never been much of a car guy. Um, like, I like cars, but I mean the guy who fixes cars. I'm not like Jake here. Jake could, like, jack up a car, rip out the whole bottom. See, that shows how much I know about cars. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> but I've never been much of a car guy. Um, not because I don't want to. It's just, like, never been on the radar. I can do other things. Like, I could build you a house, but I, I couldn't, like, change your oil. Never changed oil in my life. Um, it just ne never got around to it. It just wasn't what my family did. We, like, remodeled homes. We didn't remodel cars. Um, but I, I could fix stuff here or there. But, like, the totality of my car knowledge was how to change a tire. And even that, if I'm going to be very honest, was iffy at best. I'm talking side road tire change, not highway tire change. How many of you, are, if you're honest, have, like, the same level or not even close? You're like, you're like I have no car knowledge, right? Just be honest. Okay, good. This is, how, this is how this works, right? There you go. Okay. Uh, I, I, I want us to just be honest with each other because this is where I started. I did not have a great deal of car knowledge. I didn't start that. But I bought a truck that was 16 years old. And so when you buy a truck, people are like, oh, you got a new truck. Like, well, it's new to me. <laughs> but someone had it for 15 years before I had it, right? Um, and that's how I can have it now. <laughs> That's how it works for me. Um, but the new truck has a couple of things. When you have a 16-year-old car, things break. And so you need one of two things to fix a broken car. You need money or ability. And I have ability. And so you'll get it later. Don't worry. Um, and so as my car would break, I was like, well, I'm not going to pay somebody to do this because I have YouTube. And so I just decided, you know what? I'm going to learn how to be a car guy. Like, I'm going to learn. And, you know, it's interesting. I tell people on, all the time, don't just go on YouTube and deep dive theology because you'll end up in some super deep wormhole. And having now watched car videos, I understand how true that is, that the people on YouTube have no shepherding responsibility to the things they tell you, right? So they could say literally anything. They're like, they're like, yep, three heads are going to explode out of the building in the Capitol, and then the earth is going to dissolve, and then your church isn't telling you this because their pastor's weak and doesn't love you enough, so you need to start your own church with snakes, right? Like, they could say anything. There's no shepherding responsibility, Right? You're with me. You know what I'm talking about. We can all laugh at this unless you posted a video then recently, then you better get ready. It's going to be a long, long message for you. But, you know, it's fine. It's all right. We'll, we'll get it out of you. Um, <laughs> but I felt that way with cars because car, car videos, they can tell you literally anything and have no responsibility if you break your car, right? But here I am just like deep diving into these car videos. And as I step into looking into being a car guy, uh, I realize how little I know, and in that moment, it's overwhelming. 
If any of you started something new and you're like, yeah, I'm going to pick up this hobby or do this thing, and you begin, you're like, oh, I thought by the nature of me being able to figure things out, I would naturally know these things, but I know nothing that's important to make this happen, right? Um, <laughs> this is totally unrelated, but like Carter and I, I've been learning to bird hunt, and uh, Carter and I went bird hunting. And I think Carter assumed that I knew how to bird hunt per previous conversations. And so when we first texted, he said, all right, man, we're going to go this day. Are you ready? And I was like, yeah, sounds good, because I assumed Carter knew how to bird hunt. And so we both showed up, I think, assuming that each of us knew what we were doing. And as I was researching, I was realizing how little I knew. And so I, I had to do a couple things. I had to, like, call my dad and be like, hey, how do I do this? Right? Same thing with the car. I'm like, how do I? Okay. <laughs> I tried to tell him, I need to take the whole bed of my truck off. How do I do that? He's like, what? I'm like, well, I was watching YouTube, and I need to do my fuel pump. So there's six bolts, and I got to take my whole bed of my truck off. He's like, I'm sorry. You're going to, who's going to do that? Who's going to take it off? You and me? Right? And I just feel this anxiety, right? I'm like, I'm going to fix my car. I'm going to be a car guy. But I go into AutoZone, and it's in AutoZone that I realize so clearly I am not a car guy. Because things have numbers, right? I stopped math when it got to letters, but all the car stuff has numbers, and I still don't understand it. So I'm in AutoZone like, what? I'm using the word thingy way too much. It's the, the round thingy that goes into the side. He's like, what kind of car do you have? I'm like, it's like a truck, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I'm trying to find the right stuff to fix my car, and there's like the, there's the car guy, you know, that guy who just must live at AutoZone. He doesn't work there. He's just back there. He like used to work there, but he's like picking up pieces like, no, Derek, get him this one. This is what he needs. I hope it's the right part, right? I get home. I'm trying to fix my car. I call Dave. I'm like, Dave, can you come over and lift something heavy? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, it's the bed of my truck. We're going to lift it, the three of us, backwards three feet, which ended up with just like both of us grunting and yelling, and then my dad just laughing at us, and then like, we took the lid off for the fuel pump, and I got it out because I watched the YouTube video. I got it out, and then there was, like, some stuff in the tank. But since my wife had recently put 26 gallons of gas in the tank, I couldn't drop it out, and I didn't want to waste all that money. So I tried to get it with the barbecue tongs. I tried to reach, like, the barbecue tongs down into my tank to get – I'm not a car guy. Jake's, like, shaking his head over here like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Try to get it with the barbecue tongs. It seemed good. I told Katie first service, I was like, that's why the barbecue tongs are out there. Don't use those. <laughs> My dad got like a shop vac, like a really clean shop vac nozzle, and we just stuck it in <laughs> down in the gas tank and like touched the bottom where the dirt was because there's some grit and just whoomp, just sucked it all out into the shop vac. And he's like, what do you want me to do with this? And then he just disappeared with it and came back with an empty shot back like half an hour later. So I don't know where he went. Um, <laughs> I say this to say there is an overwhelmingness to something that is so unknown in life. And often when it's so overwhelming, the first response, whether it be bird hunting or whether it be fixing a car or whether it be our general purpose in life, when something is profoundly uh, grand or it seems otherworldly or it seems like we don't have a good grasp on it, our first response is often to just shut down and ignore it. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to get there. I, I don't know how to figure out my purpose. I'm trying to pay my bills, right? Don't, don't tell me about purpose. Tell me how God is going to get my car running because the barbecue talks. It runs now. I know what I'm doing. But we say, how am I going to know my purpose? 
So what I did in AutoZone, which I would encourage you to do today, is to just take a step back, take a deep breath, say, okay, Lord, would you lead me here? I need your guidance. Lord, I need you to guide me. This seems grandiose, and my flesh wants to just kind of like shut down a little bit and be like, nope. But if I could just step back, take a deep breath, say, okay, Lord, purpose in 2021 with everything going on, Seems like a crazy thing to get after. But I know that if you lead me, if you guide me, that I can find it. You know, it's interesting. I bring you here as evidence my lack of car guyness, because this goes to my car. And uh, there are eight bolts that put my bumper on. This is one of them. And uh, I couldn't get this one back on. And I don't know if you've ever been doing something and you're, and you're so angry <laughs> that you just have to stop lest you forsake your faith. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? It has seven bolts in it, guys. It's a lot. This, is, this one's unnecessary. I'm 90% sure of that. But I bring you this bolt. I'm just, I'm being honest, right? I'm going to be vulnerable. I don't even care. Um, I bring this evidence to say that as you pursue this purpose in your life, you will not, by the nature of being human, get it perfectly. But perfection should not be a stopping point for you, Right? Don't let your anxiety over missing something, don't let your anxiety over getting something wrong rob you of the potential of God's purpose for your life. Allow him to guide you and lead you. Allow yourself a little bit of grace today and this year to understand you might not crush it, but that's not what it's about. What it's about is I'm going to take a deep breath and say, God, would you lead me? Would you guide me? And then where he goes, I will follow. You know, the Bible is basically a complete story of God's restorative work for all creation. I mean, the, the Bible is our history. It's the history of creation. It's the history of God's creation. And if we go back to the beginning in Genesis, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates Eden. We talked a little about Eden in the Angels and Demons series. And he creates this amazing creation, and God is Lord over all creation. And it is his kingdom. The universe is his kingdom in this powerful perfection. And he says, it's good. But in the fall of Eden, sin enters into the world, and man, the, the creation of God that bears his image, steps into rebellion against God. But God is so amazing that even all the way back here, I don't know if you knew this, but even back here in Genesis at the fall, God promises to restore through Jesus, restore his creation to their purpose. And so God makes a covenant with Abraham. And he says, from you is going to come many nations. From you is going to come a promise. And so the people of Israel come from Abraham, come from Israel. And they grow up. And they go to Egypt, and they're taken as slaves. And as they're slaves, they cry out to God. And so God takes them from Egypt into the promised land. I mean, I just summed up like a lot right there, but you get the idea. And in that process, over and over, he makes a covenant, and he renews a covenant, and he restores a covenant, and he promises to restore them to their purpose. And really, this symbolic, beautiful action of taking out of slavery into purpose that's going to be reflected through Jesus. 
but almost instantly after he renews a covenant with them, like four and a half minutes later, they rebel against it, which is so human. And they go back into rebellion. And the story of the prophets in the Old Testament, I know we see God is so angry, but can I tell you, when I read the Old Testament, what I see is a God who anguishes and longs and is constantly merciful because he does not want to send his children into exile or judgment, but he gives chance after chance after chance to what? To restore to purpose. He is mighty, but he is merciful in his might. And so for Centuries, the people of Israel are crying out. They're in the diaspora, right? They're, they're spread out all over the world. In fact, at the time of Jesus, there were considered to be more Jewish people outside of Jerusalem than, than actually in the, the area of Judea where, where Jesus was operating and moving. And so they're crying out for, for something, for a Messiah. They're crying out for God to restore them. But importantly, the Jewish people believed that God would bring a Messiah who would restore them, and through them would restore all of creation. To what? To their purpose, to their created purpose that we talked about last week, to live in union with God. And so Jesus comes. And, and when Jesus comes, he doesn't come in the way they expected. They expected to come like Judah Maccabee in this great revolt, right? There was, there was a guy named uh, Judah Maccabee who was the hammer to come in and ride it in power and authority, right? A um, hundred years before Jesus was born, there was a revolutionary who rode into Jerusalem having defeated the Seleucids, the, the Greeks. And he rode into Jerusalem and they shouted, Hosanna! And they laid palm branches on the ground. And he went in and he cleansed the temple. And then he died. And that's, that was it. So that's kind of what they were expecting, a better version of that, where he doesn't die. But what they got instead was this meek guy and his 12 disciples coming in on a donkey, fulfilling the promise of Zechariah, coming in on a donkey, right, talking about how he was going to tear down the temple and build it up in three days. They were like, what are you talking about? This is the totality of Scripture here in this moment. And, and Jesus comes and he says, listen, I must be lifted up so that all nations can be drawn unto me. John 12, 32. It's about this kingdom he's trying to restore. I'm saying this, I'm giving this summary because I want you to understand that the work of God continually has been the restorative work of bringing his people from rebellion back into purpose. Are you still with me? And when he goes to the cross, he takes our sin and shame upon himself, and he dies on the cross, and he rises again three days later in the power and victory over death, hell, and the grave. And then he commissions his followers. He commissions his followers. So they've been called into that relationship. They're, they're to die to themselves, be born again in the resurrection. But it doesn't stop there. He then gives them a great commission. I think anytime you see in Scripture the words, the great something, you should pause there, right? If you're reading the Bible and it says, the great blank, that's important. If you're reading any book, that's probably a good sign. But the Bible especially, right? The great blank, the great commission. So Jesus, before he ascends, after he's risen, after he's appeared, before he ascends, he gives his followers, he says, okay, now this is what you're going to do. This is my great commission to you. And I want to read that to you. If you brought your Bibles, go to Matthew 28, verse 18. I would encourage you, if, if you're okay with underlining in your Bible, underline this. It's a, it's a great scripture to underline. It's 
pretty big. But Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. goes back here, right? Listen, God created all this, and just like last week I said, if you see me, you see the Father. That's what he's saying, right? He's like, if you see Jesus, you see the Father. We are together, right? I'm speaking from him. What, I, what I'm telling you, I'm getting from him, right? So he's saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given, in, given to me. And then there's a word right after that, which is go. Go. Not ponder. Not later. Go. Go, therefore. Given that I am in charge of the universe, now do this. That's what he's saying, right? And I think it's powerful because what he is giving the foundation of our commission on is his authority, isn't it amazing that uh, when rulers establish their kingdom, they do it by killing their enemies, and when Jesus does it, he does it through dying for his enemies. This is why Christianity clashes with our world so much, and we're like, ah, I want to hate my enemies. And, and Jesus is like, no, no, don't hate them. Go to them and then baptize them. What an intimate act to pick. It's like not only do you have to deal with the people, you know, your enemies, right? But if you baptize somebody, you have to have spent time with them at some point, right? You can't surprise Nacho Libre, baptize every person in the city, right? Just go around with a bowl of water in Scottsdale, see how long till you get arrested. Also, you have to physically touch them, right? You have to physically touch the people you don't agree with. Republicans, you have to physically touch Democrats. Democrats, you have to physically touch Republicans. Right? I don't care what your Facebook says. I care what Scripture says. And this says, go to your enemies, people that you do not like, people you are against, right? And baptize them and teach them. See how Jesus expands his kingdom is through humility and servanthood and love. It's not through military might. That's why the people were like, what is going on? When are you going to establish your kingdom? Just before this, you know, they're like, God, when are you going to establish your kingdom? And he's like, go do this. Can I tell you, this is mission. This is ministry. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is mission. This is the basis of ministry right here. This is not ministry. This is ministry. Are you with me? This is not ministry. This is ministry. This is not ministry. This is ministry. Go, therefore, baptize and teach. Now, the go, therefore, has a lot of different parts, how you go through care and compassion and love and all these things, right? But that's ministry. And so we have all been given this commission, this biblical basis for mission and ministry. I want to share this with you, a couple things on it today. Every life has a mission, and every mission has a ministry. If there's one big topic I could just outline here. Oh, it's on the screen. Even better. Every life has a mission, and every mission has a ministry. Let me explain. A couple things. If you're taking notes, write this down. God has created you on purpose for a purpose. This is foundational. 
You might have been a surprise to your parents, but you are not a surprise to God. Right? People might have told you that, that you don't have worth or you were an accident or just terrible things upon your life. But can I tell you, God was not surprised when you popped on the scene. He was ready for you. He was prepared for you. He knew you were coming. And you know what? He gave you purpose. But what I love about it is he doesn't give you random purpose. He gives you a share of his purpose. It's like you were born in like a multi-billion dollar share of stock, which is like, pfft. you don't got to build it up grassroots. He gives it to you. You get a share of his great purpose, his calling, his mission, his ministry. You get a share of. You were created on purpose for God's purpose. Paul in Galatians 1.15 recognizes this. He says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born called me by his grace. Can I tell you today, God has chosen you and called you for ministry. You're going to have a lot of like, I'm not sure about that, but trust me, I'm going to explain all those by the end. But the foundation is God created you on purpose for a purpose. You have a mission. And the second thing is that God's mission for your life includes good works. Good works meaning your ministry, right? The ministry of your life. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, I need to pause there. I feel like I bang this drum all the time, but I feel like it's mostly because I've been in ministry long enough to see people trying to work their way into heaven, and it really breaks my heart. So can I, can we just be always, I'm always going to say this, and if it gets annoying, you tell me later, but you have received salvation as a gift that you could not earn. So you don't need to try to earn it. You've, it's a gift. Everything we do after that is in response to that gift, but it's a gift. Salvation is a gift for you from Christ. Now, we die to ourselves, we do all these things, but if we don't root first in this, it is a gift, so no one can boast, right? No one can say, I'm better because I did this, this, this. Like, we've, we've all received the same gift. He says, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This whole passage of Ephesians is awesome. Ephesians chapter 2. If you want to go look at it up later, I encourage you, start in verse 1 and read all the way to verse 10 because it's so powerful. But he starts by saying, we used to walk in our trespasses of sin. We used to walk in darkness. That's how we used to walk. And he said, but now through Christ Jesus, let's walk in Jesus that we might walk in good works and good things and celebrating our good purpose. That's a shift, right? We used to walk in sin trapped by the devil, but now through Christ, we walk in purpose. Why? Because of Christ's redemptive work. It is Christ's goal to restore us from rebellion to purpose. Though the final redemptive work occurs at the end of days, God is constantly restoring his people from rebellion into purpose. Are you still with me? Titus 2.11. Titus is a great book. Uh, chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, 
bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14, says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Okay. I feel like I got to make a side note here. Can we take like a little side note and come back? Are you good with that? Okay. I, I've said this before, but I need to clarify. There is a difference between God's uh, decrees and God's desires. So often we're talking about like, what's God's plan for my life? We like lump two different things together. There's a difference between God's decrees and God's desires. Let me explain. God has decreed that Christ will return. Your obedience to him is irrelevant to that. That's happening, right? That That's a decree. This is happening. It's not like, if you do this, then I will come back. It's like, nope, I'm coming back, right? But God desires that you would have relationship with him. That's a desire. He doesn't decree it. He's not like, you will do this, right? That's not a relationship, right? That's, that's different, right? You know, love course is unconvinced, right? So there is a difference between what he has decreed. What he has decreed is not dependent on your obedience, but his desires coming to fulfillment in your life is dependent on your obedience. What I don't mean is like, you're, you know, you decide what the will of God is. What I'm saying is you decide whether you live on the vine and bear the fruit of his will. Are you with me still? So when I, when I say today— that God's mission in your life includes good works. I'm not saying there's like a plan A good work and a plan good. I'm saying that God has called you into the ministry of his life with him and the purpose of his church. And, but, but you have to choose if you're available for that. Now, God has used donkeys, right? And I, I get it. There's every joke in the book. Oh, if he used a you know, donkey, he'd use you. And like, you know, everybody's part of the body. You just might be the armpit. Like, yeah, I get it, right? I, I get it. But like, is that really purpose, Right? That's being used. That's being a vessel. Sure, yeah. You know, the other day I used a pot to get some radiator fluid, but that's not where the pot was made. I'm told you I'm good at this car stuff, guys. But that's not its purpose, right? That's not our purpose. So part of our purpose is dependent on our obedience. And again, we know what we're rooted in, but obedience is important. It says if you do this, right, people will know that you're my disciples. The fulfillment of God's desires in our life is related to our obedience to him. Can I just tell you, in your life in 2021, obedience will open opportunity. Obedience will always open opportunity in the kingdom of God. If you have an obedient heart and an available heart, it will open opportunity. People come to me and be like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's like, we'll start with just pursuing Christ and let him lead. Let him go. Because God's mission for your life includes good works. And the moment... You chose to follow Christ. This is so important. You were called into ministry. The moment you chose to follow Christ, you were called into ministry. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This was his plan before the world began, to give you purpose through Jesus Christ. Not just stand alone. Through Christ you've received it. 
First Peter 2 5 says you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ hear me the moment you chose to follow Christ you became part of the ministry of Jesus Christ Ministry is kind of a tough term because we, you, most people think like what I do is ministry. I work in ministry. I'm a minister. I'm technically a licensed minister. And so we think like, oh, that's ministry. But can I tell you, everyone has been called into ministry. Now, some are gifted to be pastors and teachers and evangelists and different things, right? So that works out differently. But everybody has been called to ministry. When you became a Christian, you came into the family of Christ. You were adopted in and you are a part of it. Just like my son. Every thing my family does, my son does. Why? Because he's my son, right? He's a part of it. He's a part of our family. The same thing is true with you in Christ. You are a part of his family. People say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm really... Well, let me tell you. All believers, right, you have been gifted and authorized for ministry. You have been gifted and authorized for ministry. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. If we go back to the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He has authorized us as his followers for ministry. And what's amazing is that he didn't leave us alone when he authorized us for ministry. He also gifted us for ministry. With what? With like a degree program of like a seminary? No. He gifted us with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I, I, I love that he does this. It's like he gives the disciples a commission, then he's like, okay, first thing I want you to do is not do that. Just go wait. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? Peter's like, I was going to go, you know, chop some ears off, make it around, you know, get a little zealous for this thing. He's like, no, I want you to wait. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Wait for what? He says, wait for my spirit. Because the commission I'm giving you isn't based off your degree, your pedigree, your background, your parents, your, your skills, or your skills. It's based off of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear how important this is for your life? Your purpose is fulfilled through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a thing you randomly tap into at your uncle's church so you can speak in tongues, right? The Holy Spirit is a real part of the Trinity. He is dwells with you and is the reason that you can fulfill the purpose God has for your life. And he works through a variety of giftings in a variety of ways and a variety of talents. And that includes speaking in tongues and discernment and prophecy and, and wisdom and all these things. But it starts with the Holy Spirit. Everything you need to fulfill the mission in your life comes from the Holy Spirit. I talk to people all the time. They'll tell me like, well, I don't feel like I'm qualified. I feel like I'm really gifted. I feel like I'm really prepared. And I say, you should praise God for that. They're like, I'm sorry, what? I'm like, yeah, you should praise God. And they're like, no, no, I don't feel equipped. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. You should praise God for that. Because here's why. If you are not feeling gifted for the task that is to come, and it's only by his power that you can fulfill it, then he gets all the glory. 
See, when we, when we feel like gifted, when we feel like, oh yeah, this is me, this is us, this is how people in my profession fall all the time. It's like we feel like, oh yeah, like we got this, this is awesome, and we don't remember that this is actually because of the Holy Spirit, right? You should praise God because then when you do share the word, you're like, it's not my personality, maybe not my gift set, but you know I'm good one-on-one, -on -one, and so I spent one-on-one -on -one time with somebody, and finally it was that moment, and I shared, and I felt super inadequate, but I just trusted in the Holy Spirit, and he led, and he did it. Guess who's going to get the glory? God. And so what's going to happen is you share in his sufferings and his glories, and that you're on this renewing cycle of celebrating and submitting and celebrating and submitting. Like, okay, God, I submit to you, and wow, you're going to do this. Okay, well, I'm woefully inadequate for that, but praise God. I'm just going to use what you gave me and do the best I can. But wow, it's amazing what you've done. And I'm going to give you the praise. I love reading about Reinhard Bonnke. He's like one of my heroes of the faith. He's, you know, like 20 million people or something saved in Africa in his ministry. And he talks about when he got off the plane and like God told him to rent the stadium. And he does not speak any of this language. And I think he speaks German. And he was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm just supposed to rent this 40,000 seat uh, place. And he's like, I feel woefully inadequate. And he realized, good, then God will get the glory. We need to stop feeling like because we are not prepared supernaturally that, that somehow disqualifies us. That's why he gave us the spirit. That's why our motto, our, our mission is that every person could experience the freedom and power of a new life in Christ. I love that because when the fruit of obedience is harvested, you won't be tempted to take credit for it. Praise God for your weakness and the Holy Spirit displaying his power and his mercy and his goodness through it. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are God's ambassadors, not on our own mission, not by our own authority, but through him. We are God's ambassadors. You've been gifted and authorized for ministry. Actually, band, you can come up today. And the purpose of your ministry is the building up of his church. I'm going to hit that word his super hard. His church. You're like, oh, another one of these messages. No, not, not banner church. Although, you know, healthy Christians make healthy churches. <laughs> but the building up of his church. 1 Corinthians 12.4 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Ephesians 2 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It goes on to say in Ephesians 4, he says, Rather, speaking in truth and love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. See, God has given us the blessing of growing his body that is the church. Not one specific building. This isn't the body. This is a really helpful tool for growing the church that someday will not be here, right? Someday, hopefully, our ministry capacity outgrows, right? This is a tool. It's an awesome tool. I love it. 
It's a great tool, but it's just one of them. Love the block, that's a tool, right? But all of it's to build his church, not banner church. It's not for the glory, for the name on the building. That's just for licensing purposes. <laughs> it's for branding. But for the name that is stamped and should be stamped on the heart of every believer of Jesus Christ. The name that is above all names. The name that sets us free. This is the purpose of ministry. Evangelism, teaching, discipleship, outreach, missions. It's all to build his church. It's all to glorify him. That is why it's so important. You have been given a ministry to build his church. That's amazing. God has entrusted you with his bride. You think about that. He says, the church is the bride of Christ. I tell you what, I love my bride, and there's only a certain people that I would entrust for her to be taken care of. People with good character and principle, people that I can trust, right? So Jesus, he's entrusted us with building his church. It's awesome. It's a little scary, but it's awesome. But can I tell you one more thing is that the body of Christ needs your ministry. The body of Christ needs your ministry. Romans 12, 4 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I love the image of the body because it's so easy to understand. Because if I said to you, like, how well would a body that's all feet work? We'd be like, not well, right? And I'd be like, what if your nose smelled like your foot? You would not be pumped. What if your foot were like your ear? That would not be great, right? So not only is it the right parts, but the right parts in the right places. You are a necessary part of the body of Christ. People say, I'm different. I'm once again, again, I'm once again gonna say praise God for that. Just like with our ability, I would say with our differences. We live in such a tribal culture. People say, well, you know, if the, I'm just looking for people who grew up like me, who come from my background, who think like me, who vote like me, who decide like me, who want what I want. Um, and if it's not that, then I must not be part of that body. Can I just tell you, I'm thankful that you're here. And I'm thankful that you're different. I wrestled for a long time with feeling different from normal church. I mean, just look at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But can I tell you, I want to encourage you. God made you different for a reason. You might be a foot or a hand, but we need you. The church needs you. The church global needs you. The body of Christ needs you. You're necessary. You bring something important. You should praise God that you're different because he must have a great task for you to encourage and strengthen. Like, maybe you have a really high mercy gift, and you're surrounded by people that don't maybe reflect that as much. They're more task-oriented. Well, maybe maybe part of your reflection and love of Jesus is to instill a little bit of mercy into those conversations. Maybe you're really outgoing, and you're like, you know what, nobody's as outgoing as me. I just want people who, like, at the drop of the hat will just, like, run over here and do this and do whatever and just live to be out. And you're like, but not everybody around me wants that. It's like, well, maybe they're there to be a part of your growth, and you're there to be a part of their growth, and you're supposed to grow together right? Maybe if my baby came out covered in eyes, I'd be freaked out. I want every part as it's supposed to be, the right place and the right size, right? So it's good to be uniquely made by Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink one spirit. 
He says in verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, I love this, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And to those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we just we bestow the greater honor and on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require but God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffer if one member is honored all rejoice together okay I need to sum this up I didn't first service but I have to say I love this He's saying the, the, the parts of the, that you see all the time, like the parts you see all the time, we think that has the most honor. But if you look inside, the parts you don't see are probably more necessary <laughs> and deserve lots of honor. Like, let's say your organs is part of the body, right? Some of you are gifted in a way that doesn't put you here, but you're crucial to the life in the body, right? And just because you're not seen out here doesn't mean you're not needed in here and in here. Your importance, your ministry is important, and it's your commission from God to f continually find ways in which you can engage in that mission. And the, the gathering in the body of Christ is one of the ways we do that. But the church needs you. Can I say in 2021, we need more people serving and less people posting. We need more people in the streets that love the block than in the comment section. I wish people cared as much for those in need as they do about the election. It would make my job a hell of a lot easier if we cared for the poor as much as we cared for the rich. We need your ministry. See, we need people like me that say that, and then we need people like you that correct me later. But your ministry is determined you today. I always I want to give you a pass here. Stop apologizing for how God has gifted you. Stop apologizing for how he's gifted you. You don't have to apologize for that. He's gifted you. Some of you are just compelled by justice, right? So I joke about the country, but you're compelled for things to be just. You know what? That's how God created you. Amen, right? Put that into ministry. Be compelled by injustice all around, right? Be, be compelled by the orphans that go without homes. Be compelled by the hungry who go without food. Be compelled for God's justice. Be compelled. I, I love it. Some of you, you're hospitable. God made you to be hospitable. And so you're some, this has been a hard season for you because you have not been able to do a lot of hospitality. But God, I just want to encourage you. Don't apologize for being hospitable. Like People say, like, well, you know, I just really like taking people to my house. Like, why are you diminishing that? That's basically the whole book of first Peter don't diminish your gifting God has gifted you some of you you have a heart I have a heart and a mind for the people in need that's my gifting you want me to have that gifting right right everybody's gifted differently but can I tell you if God created you with a personality then it was on purpose if he I'm not giving you an attitude like an excuse to have a bad attitude or just close yourself off but I'm saying if God created you he knew what he was making you have experiences that allows you to relate to people that I couldn't relate to. Use whatever God has given you. Don't apologize. Don't, I mean, people, they apologize for my past. Yeah, pastor, I came from this kind of addiction, and so I just don't know if I can do ministry. I'm like, you could definitely do ministry because there's people with that addiction who will not listen to me because I have not suffered it, but you have a unique inroad into that addiction, and therefore you can share the hope of Jesus Christ that redeems through it. 
what the enemy meant for evil, God can use for good. Your ministry is determined by how God created you. And I think so, so many times in the church, we, we try to look for just certain giftings that line up into certain blocks. And can I encourage you, just allow God to work through you as he wants to work through you. Allow God to work through you. We have all kinds of people, politicians, lawyers, we have outreach leaders, we have teachers and nurses, we have people who are gifted so differently and work in powerful ways. I just encourage you, work as God has called you. Living on purpose, living on mission in 2021 is using whatever God has given you to serve Him, His church, and the needs of others. And until Christ comes back, we all have purpose. All of us. We have purpose through Him to use what He has given us, how He has gifted us, to serve those around us. God has rescued you, redeemed you, called you, and commissioned you. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you two questions before we close. it is in between. Just evaluate. Am I living the Great Commission? If I looked at my life, if I evaluated my life, am I living the Great Commission? If I look at my own life, I'm going to say some ways yes, some ways no. Amen? Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh, okay. I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to say, in what ways? How has God gifted me? How can I use it to serve Him, His church, and others? And the question of, am I doing it? pray something specific over you. Because your response to that is likely, if you're like me, going to be more human effort. You know what? I'm not doing a good enough job, so i got to strive for more. That's a human response. Why don't you go the other way with it? Which is, you know what? I long for God to move, so I'm going to seek Him more. And say, Holy Spirit, this is not a human effort. This ministry is not a human effort. This is a Holy Spirit effort. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you reveal to me how God has made me? And would you show me how to use that to fulfill the Great Commission in my life? So I open my heart for you to do the work in, within me. And if you're here in this place and you're longing for that, I want to pray for you this morning. If you want to go into 2021 participating in the purpose of God for your life, it begins with that simple prayer of Holy Spirit. Would you reveal to me how you have gifted and made me? And would you work through me to fulfill your great purpose in my life? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If you'd like to pray that today, if you'd like to say, Holy Spirit, in 2021, I want to walk in purpose. And so I'm praying, would you reveal how you have gifted me? And would you reveal again and work through me that I might use it to grow your kingdom, that I might use it to fulfill the great mission and purpose you've given, that I might use it to serve you, to serve, to serve your church, and to serve others. Holy Spirit, 
reveal and do a work in me because I want to walk in purpose. If that's you, I just want to invite you to just raise your hands into a receiving posture. I'm going to raise my hands as well with you today. I just want to pray over you in this place. Jesus, we enter 2021 longing for great purpose in lives. But we know this is not by human will or human authority. It comes from the authority of Jesus Christ, and it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray today, Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Holy Spirit, would you reveal in the heart of every person how you have uniquely gifted them? If there's any lies of the enemy there that are, that are taking away and robbing their sense of self-worth and calling, I pray we break those in the name of Jesus. By your blood, we break those lies of the enemy that keep us from walking in purpose. And God, I pray... Holy Spirit, would you move through our lives, not by human effort, but by your power, would you fulfill the great commission through us. We want to be part of this great purpose and this great mission and this great ministry, God. And so I pray for those who are dry, I pray just a fresh outpouring upon them. For those who are empty, I pray a fresh renewal. For those who are poured out, for those who are afraid, for those who are uncertain, for those who are unsure, I pray a renewing strength that comes to the Holy Spirit that not by our might, but in our weakness, you might be glorified, God. And I pray as we seek you, we thank you, God, that you make a way, that you provide breakthrough. I thank you for the breakthrough that's already occurred this year. I thank you for the breakthrough that's already occurred even in this fast. And I pray you would continue it. We make our hearts available. And we pray, Holy Spirit, would you lead us as we reflect and say, am I living the Great Commission? I pray, Holy Spirit, would you lead us in the way you have gifted us to fulfill great purpose in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.